spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host Kai Garvey, thank you for listening. I'm going to apologise guys, I've had a cold for ages, it seems like (laughs) the last six months, Um, so I'm a little bit nasally and croaky today, so um, I hope you can forgive me. My wonderful guest this episode is the amazing Cecily Patterson. Cecily is the author of nine MG and YA books for girls. She's also a prize-winning memoir author and has an award-listed biography. With co-author Penny Reeve, she makes up one half of Ella Shine, the pen name behind the junior reader series The Pet Sitters. Three of Cecily's books are on the New South Wales Premier's Reading Challenge list. One was the winner of the Caleb Award and another, Lola in the Middle, recently won the 2022 Forvability Award. When she's not writing fiction for young people, Cecily teaches memoir writing at the Red Lounge for Writer's website, edits fiction and memoir and is head of content at Wild Hive Studios. Cecily's book Lola in the Middle is the winner of the Forvability Book Awards for uh, 2022. Uh, part of her prize is to be featured on Totally Lit. Forvability provides a platform to showcase stories with themes of disability, illness and inclusion and own voice creators. Lola in the Middle has themes of that in it. I hope you enjoy our chat. Welcome, Cecily. Thank you for joining us on Totally Lit. Um, I'd like to start off by saying congratulations because you were the Category 2 winner for the 2021 Forvability Book Awards um, with your entry of your book, Lola in the Middle. Um, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect that, but it was very nice. And up against some worthy contenders, I thought. Yeah, so just for our listeners, uh, the Forvability platform is run by Tabitha Page and Amy Marley, and it aims to make it easier to find books, podcasts, and other media platforms which focus on disability, illness, and other specialised subjects. So this podcast episode is part of your prize. Hooray! That's an excellent prize. What a good prize. As a mum of two boys on the spectrum, I'm really thrilled to be able to support such a wonderful initiative as well. Um, Now, can you tell me a bit about your book, Lola in the Middle? It's one of a four-book series, kind of a series, called the Kangaroo Valley School Series, and they all focus on a different character who's in Year 6 at Kangaroo Valley School, which is a real school in a real town. I used to live there. And this particular book focuses on Lola, who's in the netball team at school. Now, of course, it's a tiny little school, And the netball team is probably not usually very good, but in her particular year, it's very good and it gets all the way to the state finals. Now, it's actually based on a true story too. Because because my daughter was in year six at Cabra Valley School in a very small school in a very small year and seven girls in the netball team and they just kept beating everybody and they beat and beat and beat and they got all the way to the state finals, this tiny little school. And so we all went up to Newcastle for state or Sydney, I think for state finals. And, of course, they didn't win. They were no- but they had the best time, and it was such a great thing for the whole town and for those girls. Mm. And so I thought, wouldn't this be fun to put this in a book? 
And Kangaroo Valley School and the teachers were very lovely about me writing them into reality, into sort of fictionalised reality. And then my character, Lola, needed some extra challenges and so I gave her one in the form of type 1 diabetes. And that that's why you could enter that into the awards as well because exactly. of that condition in the book. Exactly. Do the other books in the series um, feature conditions as well or is it just this one? No, they don't, although each child has their own particular challenge. But mm. this this was the book in the series where I brought in something that was a chronic illness or chronic difficulty for that particular child. And I picked it <laughs> because Paul Lola, she she was always in the middle between her friends, between her parents, and always the peacemaker, which I know is the story of a lot of kids and a lot of adults as well, really. And she needed something it almost had to be life and death mm. so that she would look after herself and not just look after other people first. And I thought, well, what's the thing that a kid is going to have to really think about? No, I need to look after myself. And I knew I had known a few people with type 1 diabetes. And in fact, the teacher in the book with type 1 diabetes, she's a real person, a friend of mine. And I thought, wow, if there's ever any time where you actually have to put yourself first, it is when if you don't eat right or test your insulin or do all the things that you need to do, you could literally die. And I thought, well, okay, here we go. I think that it's important to raise these kind of conditions, especially in terms of encouraging empathy and inclusion. What sort of response have you had from the community since you've published Lola in the Middle? Lola in the Middle, I think it's been pretty well received. I haven't had too much feedback about it, but I have had feedback from parents whose children actually live with type 1 diabetes as well. Mm. And recently someone got in touch with me and said, you know, my son was diagnosed when he was 10 and we've been reading it together because we wanted to have a book with someone with this in it. And obviously that's exactly why Tabitha started the awards, I'd say, to bring these sort of books um, to visibility but she said it was so lovely for the whole family to read the story together and she said it felt like we had a friend in Lola so oh, I that's lovely. Yeah, well that really sort of made me go oh how sweet but you know it's when you have something that is so difficult to deal with and fairly unusual and you know makes you seem like a bit of an outsider in some circles it's really good to know that other people are out there and when it's in a book other people really are out there dealing with it and do you want to tell me a bit about the rest of the series as well? Oh, sure. Well, the first one is called Smart Girls Don't Wear Mascara. And all of these stories, by the way, I should say, are based on either real people or real scenarios. Mm. And this one is based on, you know, a pretty tight little friendship of three that gets disrupted by a new person who comes in. And the, the question is, will the, the children be able to deal with the newcomer or will they just batten down and block them out? And so it's a, that's a fairly typical friendship scenario. All of these four books are all based on real-life friendship scenarios for 11-year-old girls, basically. You know, the newcomer, the girl who wants to be popular in How Not to Be Popular, is she going to risk – is she going to give up her soul and her, her ethics to be popular and do what those, those girls want her to do, or is she – you know, going to be kind to the one who everybody else is not being kind to. So that's another issue. And then finally, so I had the series of three, which included Lola, How Not To Be Popular and Smart Girls. And then we got to the pandemic and we got to 2021 and we all thought, oh, yes, the pandemic's over. And then 2021 happened 
and we had another lockdown. And I thought, no, nah, we need to write about the pandemic. So Ava got her own story, and she's uh, a little go-getter in Year 6, always doing something, always going out, always having fun, not really too worried about anything. And the pandemic hits. She has to stay home. Everything's cancelled. Grandpa was on a cruise ship where they had COVID on the ship. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the family nearly runs out of toilet paper. So, you know, all the fun things of lockdown and the frustrations, and they have puppies and that's fun. Her lesson is she learns some responsibility and and to appreciate other people maybe that she hasn't appreciated in a different way before. And how has that book been received? So, well, because we're really not out of COVID really yet. But... It's funny. I wrote it, I wrote it, I guess, at the end of 2020. I think it must have been. And we all thought it was over. And then in 2021, of course, that second lockdown came, those big lockdowns. And I was planning a book launch and about a book, pandemic book. And then we were in the pandemic and I couldn't have a book launch. So, look, I don't... I, I think it's done all right. I think people have enjoyed it. My friend sent me a shelfie uh, of it from a school library that she visited the other day, and it was sitting there next to one of the treehouse books, I think. Oh, which amazing. Pretty good, but <laughs> I don't know. If you like puppies and you're interested in the pandemic, as much as anything, I actually wrote it as a record of the pandemic experience, at least in that first year. So I thought... It'd be fun for people to look back and go, oh, yeah, that was when they had that lockdown thing and no one could go out. It'll be a historical novel by then. <laughs> right, it'll be a historical novel one. That'll be fun. So I'm going to go back and just ask you a little bit about um, your writing career. Um, what inspired you to become a writer? Uh, the first inspiration came, well, I was a reader since I was three. Mm-hmm and devoured books like I was the really boring kid who would go to someone's house for a play date but end up looking through their bookshelf and reading all the books that I hadn't read yet so like books were life and um I won a a writing prize at school when I was eight and I beat out 10 and 11 year olds and yeah I was like oh there's something in this and I always thought, right, I'm going to be a writer. That's it. And then, you know, life goes on, but I always said, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a writer. And I kind of got into a career of communications. But then it wasn't probably till I was four, 30, late 30s that I thought, I finally feel like I know enough internally to write fiction, like I know enough about people and how we operate. And um, I had my fourth child and I thought, For someone who says she always wants to write fiction, now is a pretty decent age to start, so I better start. So I wrote my first novel called Invisible, and actually that follows a a girl who has a hearing disability. So I guess I have written about people with um, disabilities or chronic illnesses for a fairly long time. That that became a series of three. You are quite prolific. I was looking at your website. There's so many books. It's great. Well, I've had a lot of time. (laughs) I was a stay-at-home mum. I've got a son on the spectrum, and he really needed me at home for a lot of years. And so I had a lot of time, and I kind of just kept going. Yeah, So, and then I did another little series of two novels. So I've got nine books for either middle grade or early young adult girls. Mm -hmm. And then I did a series recently, which is still ongoing, with a friend of mine, Penny Reeve. She's another writer for kids. And we wanted to do something really fun. We were kind of, we always tend towards the serious stuff. And we sat down one day and thought, well, we could write a series for eight-year-olds. That would be fun. And we tried to figure out what would 
what would eight-year-old girls like to read about? Best friends, pets, magic. So we combined those and came up with The Pet Sitters, which we um, published last year, and we're about to do a fifth book in the series. And they're just they're just silliness. We giggle the whole time when we write them. So that's that's been fun. So those are my books, and I've got two nonfiction for adults as well. And, yeah. And you've also got the Red Lounge for writers to help other writers write. Do you want to tell me a bit about? Oh, well, that sort of grew out of um, – I was doing a lot of editing while I was at home uh, with my kids while they were at school and editing a lot of memoirs and fiction as well, but particularly memoirs. I seem to get a lot of those jobs. And I would work with each author – and everyone made all the same mistakes all the same time. And I thought if I could, if if they could do a course before they write their memoir, maybe editing would be better for them, or that would be better memoirs. So I thought I'll. This is what I would teach every single person who comes through. So I put it all down in a course, and uh, you can see that at theredloungeforwriters.com. And there's a bunch of other writing technique help and. Uh, sort of craft stuff on there, which is fun. Plus, my three favourite craft are uh, writing craft books, mm-hmm. which I swear by. Um, yeah, awesome. So, um, what is there going to be more in the series for Lola in the Middle, or has that series oh, now wrapped up? I think that series is wrapped up. For one, I don't live in Kangaroo Valley anymore. Mm. It was a very lazy, easy way to write when you lived across the road from the school you were writing about and saw children that came there every day. So I think that one's done. I have more ideas. I actually grew up in a school. I went to boarding school in Pakistan in the Himalayan mountains. I'm not Pakistani. I'm an Aussie expat. But I went to school there, and when I tell anyone about my experiences of childhood, they're like, oh, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, like, the boarding school was equal parts wonderful and terrible, and I feel almost too close to it to write something which is just words. And I was reading my 11-year-old's, one of my 11-year-old's um, graphic novels the other day, and I thought, you could say a lot in a graphic novel that is personal and emotional but still doesn't necessarily drown readers in despair, which is sometimes what I felt like when I was 11 years old up in boarding school by myself. Oh, so that sounds I've like got a, a terrible existence. <laughs> but that's the thing. It wasn't all terrible. But mm. I think if I start to write it as a book, I might I might start to drown. And so I can see that making it a graphic novel could be a way to tell the story as a great story, but also still keep it a little mm. bit separate from myself. So I'm kind of fiddling with that and playing with some more pet sitters. And plus I have a a job where I'm writing content for people at the moment. So, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But that's it still looms large. Mm. And, uh, you know, I haven't given up the the desire yet. Do you think writing about that time in your life would be cathartic or do you think, yeah, you would prefer not to go down that path? I think it would be cathartic, but I, I think that it might for a while be a bit too disruptive to my life. I think if I could take six to eight weeks off my life and take all the letters from boarding school, which my mum saved for me, and I have them in my cupboard. I've never read them. If I could take them away and be by myself and have all my food cooked for me and <laughs> and sort of like live a child 
sit through a period and go through it and deal with it and write the story, then I could probably, I could probably do that. But that, you know, life happens. That's probably not ever going to happen. So this is one way that I think I could do it. Mm. And people are asking for it. And I, like, I feel like I kind of need to do it in some ways. And there's a good story as well there to be told. So, yeah. Maybe a residency would work. You could apply to go somewhere. Yeah, that's beautiful. interesting. But mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if they cook for you. You might have to still do your own food. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my dream as well, just to have a solid week somewhere where I can yeah. just write. Um, would be good. It would be great. And so that's a, a question because you, you've mentioned that you have four children. How do you manage the creative process while looking after your family? That's a great question. Um, so most of the time when I've been writing and been creative, the, at least the three older children were all at school. And so I had – and because I didn't have a job out of the home, I was doing editing work from home. So I was at home all the time. Um, my youngest lived in front of ABC Kids for quite probably too many years and I just knuckled down and focused on getting the stuff out and doing it when I could. So I think, you know, some people think, oh, you need acres and days of creativity to be able to write things. Well, actually, no, I just need regular times, probably of half an hour gaps and I'm quite good at using them. The creativity part comes like in the shower and on walks and just in the middle of the night. So I don't really have to find the time to dream about ideas and imagine things. Those those things just, they don't stop coming. They're annoying. They get in my way. But it's the getting those things down on paper mm. that you just have to find the small patches of time and, you know, do the work basically. As I tell my children when they're complaining about high school and homework, like do the work. You're not going to get the results unless you do the work. So use the time. I find at the moment I'm feeling a bit of pressure because I've been trying to write and doing the podcast and working and looking after my family. And I'm sort of feeling like I'm up to my eyeballs yeah. with stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm sort of going, how do I manage this? to be like to be successful like uh, really I could stop writing tomorrow I, I don't have to do it but I'm, I'm kind of compelled to do it <laughs> it's yeah. almost the question of well why why do you write well that it's a good like I write because I really I probably don't ever want to stop or I can't ever stop I feel better when I write mm. I really love having written I love the fact that I've put a story, stories into the world and people keep, kids keep writing back to me saying, oh, I loved blah, blah, blah. Thanks for writing it. Don't stop writing. They always put that at the end. Oh, wow. I wish, (laughs) I wish that old fashioned patrons like kings and queens and lords and ladies still existed who would pay you a salary to just get on and make your art. Yes. Oh, that's the dream. Isn't that the dream? Because the fact is, Without that, you don't have the time, but if you have the time, you don't have the income that you need to live. So it's this, yeah, I'm on this roundabout of need money, but also want to write, but need time to write, but time equals money, so mm, what am I going to do? So, yeah, I think, like, 
being lucky enough to be at home while my kids were at school was really great. And I love my job as well. That's the other thing. I do love my job. I love all the, all the parts of my life, but I wish someone could give me, I guess, two extra days or, or extra money poured into my bank account so I could also do all the things that I want to do. I think if, too, if you had a patron, it would be a bit of a tightrope, like, People used to get their heads chopped off if they crossed a, a king. Sorry. You always have to feature their children in stories. It might something. be very stressful. <laughs> it could well be less, much less independence, and they have to like it. Uh, uh, so now I have a few questions, just fun questions to ask you so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Did you have a favourite book growing up? I mean, I must have because I read like 10 million of them. Um, I have two probably favorite authors. It's very boring, but Enid Blyton was, you know, huge for me. Mm. And I had an ambition when I was 10 to read all 463 or whatever, how many books she wrote. I didn't, don't think I achieved that probably because where I grew up, we literally didn't have the books available. But I would have read them had they been there. Um, but I really loved Ruma Godden, who was a, a British writer, woman, in, I think she wrote in about the 1920s, and her voice was very lyrical and evocative. And she wrote a lot. She was pretty prolific. And there were quite a few of them on our school library shelf. So I read a lot of those. And when I was early teens, I discovered Vanity Fair by um, T.M. Thackeray, mm-hmm. Thackeray, which was I thought was wonderful, and I still revisit that. And, you know, Jane Austen, mm-hmm. and who is incomparable. And I finished reading something of hers and I had no idea who she was and I went to our neighbour and said well okay have you got another one for me she's like she died and she only wrote six books I'm like well that was a waste how inconvenient (laughs) that's dreadful that shouldn't have happened um and lots I mean almost every book I read I loved so heaps and heaps if you could be any book character who would it be if I could be any book character Oh, gosh. Well, I wouldn't want to be any book character because authors put them in stupid scenarios and make them solve problems. <laughs> I'd just like a little bit of an easier life. <laughs> maybe a side character. Um, maybe I'd be Jane Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much work to be a, a main character in a book. That's right. Too much work, too much um, extra hassle. And do you have a book that you're reading right now? I've just finished reading a biography of George Washington, by a woman writer from New York, and it's called You Don't Forget Your First, which I thought was a very entertaining title. <laughs> and it was so, it was such a jaunty read. Like you would think a biography of an American president would be quite dull, but she used tables and charts to enormous effect, and it was a funny, funny book. I really enjoyed it. I got into American, uh, Re- American Founding Fathers because of the musical Hamilton, which I'm yeah. slightly obsessed by. And so now I'm quite interested in those characters and how all of that came together. Thank you to Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Hamilton. Thank you, Lin-Manuel Miranda, for changing my world. It's all those um, raps, catchy songs that he's got. <laughs> Honestly, I, I started watching that when it came out. I think during the pandemic on Disney, I watched the recording of Hamilton and I've probably had a Hamilton song play nonstop in my head for probably 90% of the time since. So 
it looms large in my life. Have you um, been to see the stage show? Yes, I have. Oh, amazing. Five times. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I won. I was very lucky in the lottery tickets when it was still in Sydney. We were in Melbourne over Easter and I tried to get some tickets, but the theatre was full the night, so we were yeah. there. So. Do you know about the lottery? Uh, yes, I, I've seen it, but I, I live in Brisbane, so I'll just have yes, to wait till it's, it comes up here. Um, okay, so if you could invite five literary people to dinner, who would they be? I don't know. I wouldn't invite anyone to dinner. I want them to invite me to dinner because to invite people to dinner, you've got to cook for them. And And clean as well. (laughs) I'm super interested in doing that. Maybe I would invite, let's see, I I would like to invite Lee Child, Mm. who is the author of all the Reacher books, because I'd like to... Because you like reading those. I really like reading those. Mm. I think he's very clever. And I'd like to find out how on earth he thinks of those outlandish plots. Because, honestly, they just rollick from one disaster to another. And I just can't think of stuff like that. So I'd like to know, is there like a secret button in your brain you can press to get plots? All my stories are so character-driven. Mm. Um, what else? You know, he's not literary, but I would invite Lin-Manuel Miranda because I think he's amazing and he's... Well, you know, we cre- can count he wrote a play. A oh, well. Play. So, but he can count. He'll count. All right. Let's think. I've got to put some women in here. Well, Jane Austen, but she's dead. Um, okay. she I think she's fun. Although I would hate it, though, if she didn't like me, because then I reckon she'd say slightly snarky things yeah. about me. My back or and make th- you a character in, in a yeah, future ghostly that's book. Right. So I would only invite her if I could be guaranteed that she could also be my best friend. And that's, that's really- Terrible think- thought to think that your one of your favourite authors might not like you. <laughs> I know, they must like me because I love them. <laughs> oh, what about that woman who wrote the Italian novels? The I can't think of their name. The ones about the two friends in Naples. Goodness me, that was such an interesting book, and I've lost her name. But she also would be terrifying to have to dinner because I think she'd analyse and note every single thing you said or didn't say. She'd analyse all the silences, and then she would recreate them in incredible ways with judgment. (laughs) (laughs) And what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your career? Yeah, that's a great question, and one that's really useful for anyone who's starting out to write which is, I think, basically learn craft, learn how to do it. Um, your first draft's never your best draft. In fact, your first book's never your best book. Um, learn from others. Take all the time and all the effort to do the work early on and put out, put out your best work, which is not your first work. Drafting, sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. to do some drafting. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And have you got any projects coming up that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, my friend Penny and I, uh, who we together we write as Ella Shine, we have a new Pet Sitters book. It's the fifth Pet Sitters book. It's called Train Trouble. It's coming out in August, and it's for readers who are age five to eight. It'll be in print and also an audio book. 
and it's about um, Cassie and Lena, who are best friends, and their grumpy talking cat, Gus, and they go to pet sit some little mice at a train show. But Gus is a cat. is completely besotted with the mice. He loves them so much. And every time he gets slightly close to them and his whiskers brush them, poof, there's a little little puff of marshmallow-coloured smoke and more mice appear, which is a problem for the girls because they're not allowed to have more than two mice on the train exhibition. And what are they going to do? Because Gus cannot be stopped and more mice and more mice keep appearing. But he's not eating the mice. No, no, no. We just have that. (laughs) No, we decided a love story. Far more appropriate. That's very cute. Uh, To rescue all the mice that he's created. And which publisher is that through? It's a little micro publisher called Puddle Dog Press, but you can get them anywhere you get books. You can order them in. Fantastic. And they'll be on your website as well? Yep. Yep, sure will. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Cecily, and congratulations again on your book win. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. I should say thank you to the Foreverability Awards and for putting the awards up and organising all the prizes. I think it's a great initiative and I'm really honoured to have won. Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. And for those of you who are interested in the Forvability Awards and submitting your book for next year's competition, you can check out www.forvability.org.au for entry details and terms and conditions. I'm super excited to again be part of the judging panel for the awards and I'm also donating a guest spot on Totally Lit as a prize. Um, This year's submissions open on the 24th of October and they close on the 1st of December 2022. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. Share it with everybody. If you enjoy one of the episodes, let your friends know. That's the way the podcast grows. The more listeners I have, the more guests I have on the more books people buy. You can also make a contribution at www.podcast.com buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit this will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees etc because I do all of that myself I love to interact with our listeners so feel free to say hello either by email or on social media you can email me at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter I want to try TikTok but I'm a bit frightened but (laughs) 
<laughs> give it a go. I've also recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. So if you're an author, illustrator, editor, publisher, or you love books, just jump on. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. Jump into the group and say hello. And especially if you're an aspiring author, it's the place to come. I share heaps of competitions and opportunities there. And I also want to hear if anybody finds an opportunity that I've shared and has some success with it, I really want to hear about it. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create and ignite.